0: Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. We believe relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. In this special episode of the Relationship Matters podcast, I'm going to be stepping into the role of guest alongside CRR Global co-founder Faith Fuller with the show guest hosted by senior faculty member at CRR Global, Sandra Kane. Across this conversation, we discuss what we're learning about birth and death which was inspired by our different life circumstances. I'm currently pregnant with twins and Faith is navigating stage four uterine cancer. This discussion covers a range of topics including the similarities between birth and death, how birth and death can be a mirror for one another, myth changes and secondary identities, disappointed dreams, grief and the limits of expectations, the importance of presence and The Wisdom in Uncertainty. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over the hosting of this episode to Sandra Kane, who's going to be guiding Faith Fuller and myself through a conversation around birth and death.
1: All right, welcome. I am Sandra Kane. I'm here with Faith and Katie to talk about the great expansive range between life and death. This is a unique conversation to have, and I'm delighted to be here with both of you to talk about what's it like to be bringing life into the world and to be the one who's going to be leaving at some point. We don't know when, Faith, right? But but you've been in that mental process of what is it to die? What is it like to end this life? So very happy to have you both here to talk about this.
2: I'm uh, thinking that, Katie, you and I might want to just do a little bit of context for people who may not know the background. And let's start with you,
0: Yes, I'm pregnant, six months pregnant at the time of recording with twins, (laughs) twin girls, in fact. And um, so Faith and I have been having the most fantastic discussions around our different points in life right now. And I think that's how this podcast emerged.
2: Absolutely. And for those who may not know out there, I have uh, stage four cancer. So uh, I'm probably not going to die this year, but I probably don't have a whole long period of time to go. So, of course, I'm dealing with uh, with how do you leave life as Katie's working with life emerging. And we, after comparing notes a little bit, we just thought it would be super fun uh, to talk about the, the similarities and differences between these two things. And I feel the need to say that I'm aware that to talk about dying, you know, I, I don't mean to make it trivialize it by the humor that's in it or the similarities with, with birth because it isn't trivial and but It's got as much life and humor and differences and changes as any other part of life. So I'm going for it uh, with this conversation with Katie.
0: And thank you for saying that, Faith, because I think the same about pregnancy and the birth process. There's a lot of concern and worry for people, and I don't want to trivialize that. And this is coming from, as you said, our experience, and we hope to hold this with lightness today. So maybe it can be more accessible for people. Exactly.
1: You know, it's interesting. I hear what you two share in common is... It's personal, of course, and it's not just personal like we say in Orsk, you know, you're aware of how other people might react to this, but when it's you, you get to choose you know if you pay attention, you get to choose how you approach it and how you are with such a dramatic change. And I know that you know it's it's particularly compelling, I think, to have you hear faith in this place because you are, so open and curious, and in a state of fascination and wonder, and, and and all kinds of things. I'm sure around having cancer, and you know, anger and grief, you know, all of all of that. But you bring such a range of experience that I think is a really new way to model for people going through any kind of change.
2: Well, great. I'm glad to hear it. And you know, I was just gonna say, and uh, Katie, I want to link up with you on this one because I think it's a similarity. You know, I may be dying, but and in myself, I am deeply well. You know, my experience of myself is that I am in a time of my life that feels deeply well, although my body is doing its thing. And Katie, I wanted to see
0: what's your experience, you know, of that. I'm deeply well as well. Actually, I've had a wonderful pregnancy so far. So I'm feeling very fortunate and grateful. Something that just came up as you were speaking there, Faith, was around how in some ways your experience has been a mirror for me. And we often say we're afraid of dying, but actually I think many of us are afraid of living. And so that's why I think this conversation is so important to have, because one can be the mirror for the other and teach us a lot. Well, and they're both a, a giant myth
1: change. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we talk about myth changes and there's, you know, we're in the business of myth change as coaches, but, you know, it's always about navigating between one chapter to another, but huge new chapter forming for both of you. And it's it's an interesting place to be before... And knowing that the chapter change is coming, because you know, we can be aware of it in all different versions of it, but like I want to start there, like, what's it like for you knowing that you're going to have twins and that you're eventually going to leave your body? Like, wow, we all know that we are, but you're like you know it's acute for you, it's right there. So curious about what's it like to be on this side of that myth change for each of you?
0: You're right. It's sort of that the, the build-up, it's that limbo phase. in some ways, it's gradual. And that's something I've noticed in this process that you don't arrive necessarily at a certain point. I think I assumed I'd feel a certain way at six months pregnant and actually how I actually am is different. And um, so, for example, I thought I'd be more aware of people noticing me being pregnant in public. And I thought that might bother me. It actually doesn't. And so I think there's something about the gradual transition. Obviously, it's not always the case, particularly with death. That can be quite sudden. Right. I think for your experience, Faith, it is quite is being quite gradual to an extent. Yes. And I think that that's helping me with the myth change. But there's also such a huge myth change because suddenly my family of two, me and my husband, become four. And so there's only so much we can imagine over the edge. We just can't we can't really dream into what that will be like. So there's a lot of excitement around that next step. A lot of people have said to us that ignorance is bliss, because this is our first and second (laughs) And so we don't know any different. We don't know what it's like to, to have a single child. Really, there's a, a sense of stepping into the unknown here. And Beginner's Mind, I think, has been helpful with that.
1: Stepping into the unknown. Yeah, Faith, I imagine for you too.
2: Yeah, or, or actually, I was, I was loving, Katie, what you were saying about how you think you're going to be with a, a major change is often not at all how you actually are in the moment. You know, uh, I know that my own self, I, I expected lots of sort of more drama around the fact that, you know, I have a terminal illness. And sometimes there's drama. I mean, it would be boring if there wasn't. I appreciate the drama let it happens. It's colorful, you know. You know, you learn to live with it. Pregnancy's short, you know, but boy, it takes a while. Yeah, I'm here to tell you, dying can take a really long time. up <laughs> so you adjust as you go, but it isn't necessarily how you thought it was going to be. That's true of so many changes we have in life, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know,
1: you two are facing significant life changes. And yet, if, even at the small scale, I think that's, we humans are wired in such an interesting way, you know, for safety and stability, security, of course. But when things change, or we know things are going to change, it it sends us into a little bit of a spin yeah. most of the time, you know, and it, we have to find our way. I think that's, that's one of the ways to kind of master life if there is such a term. Is how can I be present with the spin that happens when something's coming that hasn't arrived yet? Yeah. You know, whatever it is, something wonderful, something difficult, all of the things like we, how do we navigate that edge change? Yes. And, and do that, you know, and that's what we want in Or right? Is to be more conscious and intentional about how we navigate that. So that's actually a place I'd love to hear you guys talk about. How are you being conscious and intentional as you approach this next chapter? Yeah.
0: Uh, it makes me think about, so in your book, Faith, you write about internal and external locus of control. And I think as coaches, we're quite biased towards having internal locus of control. I am the master of my own destiny. And actually, particularly with something like pregnancy, which is so unpredictable, or death, actually the internal locus of control when that's an overdrive isn't so helpful. And I really appreciated the dance with the universe. Uh, my husband and I weren't sure if we were going to have to get pregnant because so many people in my family hadn't, and then we end up with two children. And so you know, there's all these ideas about your life and this sense of control and planning. And actually, the universe has a different plan in store. And so I've really enjoyed that that balance between internal and external. It's not just handing myself over to the universe, but there's also this sense of and there's a dance. It's not just me and my choices. It's also this conversation with the world around us, which is quite beautiful to lean into. And it feels um, lighter when I do that.
2: Katie, you're a living embodiment of emergence, literally, you know, physical emergence with new births, you know, new babies and of changing that is emerging. And I, I love what you're saying is that you can't control all the change. You can decide how you can be with what is happening. But anything that happens in a pregnancy, it's you're, you can't control your body. And it's certainly the case. Like crazy with dying, you know. My my body. uh, Somebody said something to me that was quite comforting. They they said your body knows how to die, and I know it sounds ridiculous to worry about that, but believe it or not, you know, it's sort of like how do I die? I mean, what am I gonna? How am I gonna be? You know, locus of control. You know, do I do I want to be dramatic about it? Do I want to be, you know, depressed? Do I want to, you know, but events happen the only thing we can control is our response to them. and uh, But we are both in an emergence process that we cannot control.
0: That's such a great point, Faith, around actually. We sometimes design how we want it to be. And then as you said before, what shows up is different. Yes. My husband and I, we have no twins on either side of the family. The twins are here naturally. So it really is in some ways miraculous. But I think that really talks to the fact that there's so much out of our lives that isn't in control. And how can we be with that? Yes. And that's not always easy for us humans at all.
1: No, we're not great at that. There's this great expression though that you're reminding me of man plans, God laughs.
0: Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah. so true. it's
1: like we think we got a really great plan about how it's gonna unfold and what's gonna happen next. And God, universe, who whatever it is outside of us is, you know, laughing at our ridiculous tendency to be human. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you think you know how to control on this. <laughs> a lot you
2: know I love yeah. that well you know I also wanted to s- circle back because um Sandra you were talking about myth change cool. and one of the things that we have to do when we're going through a myth change is basically when we're uh you know sort of be forced over an edge to a certain degree yeah. is um you have to grieve the past certainly that's easy to see in my situation where I have to basically let go of identity after identity after identity, you know, as um, I become more sick you have to let go of certain working identities and certain positions you held in, uh, in a community and whatever you have to let go and let go of the old way. Uh, because I, I fully believe, you know, I have to strip all that down so that I can move into whatever will be next for me post step. And I happen to believe that's true. Uh, but you can't get there wearing the suit of armor that you're wearing from the past. And I, I think that, you know, that's often not talked about much, Katie, in pregnancy, but there is grieving in, in pregnancy. Well,
0: and I remember something you said on conversations on cancer a while ago about how cancer is a big mirror for your identity. And suddenly you found yourself not as sharp as you identified with. You identified yeah. with your intelligence or or being quite fit and active. And I've noticed... The same in pregnancy in different ways so I'm incredibly active and whilst i will be able to keep up doing weights and walking certain activities like cycling 100 miles aren't necessarily encouraged and so and also I'm just not able to physically I'm out of breath and that took me a little while to get used to and I'm still um, having to be kind and compassionate with myself around maybe needing to nap or take things slower because that doesn't feel like me yes yeah and that that is interesting because you realize wow that's that's who I hold to be Katie but who Katie is is changing all the time
2: yeah and you're having to give up a certain independence of being when you have a kid yeah Uh, you know I'm having to give up an independence of being as I strip down the different identities necessary to squeeze through the gate so to speak so yeah, we're both dealing with changes in uh, dependence independence.
1: Well, and I can imagine a constellation of many selves that get activated by all of this, right? So there's there's part of you that's that's grieving what you can't, what you're saying goodbye to. But I I, I just could imagine a wall <laughs> filled with selves, different parts of you that have to have their own process. You know, all all those parts of you have to cross this edge. They're not all doing it at the same time, at the same pace, and I could imagine in both circumstances there would be times where you kind of get surprised, maybe you even get triggered by a part of you that comes forth that's just really activated. So curious what you guys are noticing about that, the different parts of you that need to go through this process.
0: Yeah, I th- I think there's something around me that isn't very patient. I think pregnancy, well, she said it's very fast, Faith. In some ways there's a slowness to it compared to the pace of our lives. Yes. And I think in myself, I'm sort of like, understand this, integrate this and move on. And actually, it's like, no, I've I've actually got to slow down both physically and mentally. And, and I think my body's really encouraging me to do that. But mentally, I'm still trying to be on the treadmill. And so I think there's something about those cells, but there's also new ones emerging for me. And I've heard some fascinating research around the brain changes so much, both for a mum and a dad in that first year or two, particularly during and after pregnancy because it helps you to be more of a caregiver. And so there's parts of me that are emerging that haven't probably been in the world in the way that they're becoming now. And so it's also creating space for that. Huh, interesting. I would love to hear more about what you're noticing
2: about evolving caregivers.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. what parts of you are coming forward that you didn't know about?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I'm noticing that I'm not so... I'm not so bothered by certain things, say, professionally, and it's not that I don't care about my work, but I think the stakes are a little bit lower now because there's this really high stake going on for me in my (laughs) life. And in some ways, that's quite refreshing because we can put so much emphasis on certain projects or presentations. And I've just noticed that it's not that I'm, oh, it doesn't matter, but it's just, you know, okay, we we can work with that. And so in some ways, my stress has gone down in certain areas of my life because I realized that there's this thing that's really important. So maybe there's a rebalancing there going on. Wow. I love that idea. Uh, just sort of uh, you're, you have to
2: loosen up because you sort of have to. <laughs> there's too many things on the plate, you know. And so the, the, the more trivial things, just it's like, don't sweat it uh, because yeah, bigger things happening. And, uh, I, you know, I think that's great. You know, I think I have tons of selves that are part of the process, I think, of of, uh, sort of letting go into the transition of death involves taking off parts, as we've mentioned before, taking off armor, taking off selves. And before you can do that, it's sort of like when you live in a house, you got to go through all your stuff, you know, and you got to sort your boxes and take them out. And "Ah, I don't this isn't working for me anymore. You have to you have to unload, you know, and we're doing this throughout our life. In your case, Katie, you're accumulating things like crazy. I'm sure cops and equipment and you know and all that stuff. You know. uh, I'm on the other end, I'm throwing all that stuff out. You know. But in the process of doing that, you have to identify all yourselves. And new selves do often come up. Selves that have feelings of grief or selves that have feelings of you know, parts of myself that I haven't wanted to look at are suddenly saying, "Hey, remember me. You need to deal with me before you move along here, sister." And so, aspects that are experience rage or feel out of control—they all come by to visit, uh, not in a bad sense, but in a sense of bringing home the troops. All those selves, because all of the selves that were marginalized seem to need to come home uh, at this time of life
1: you talk about that like it's the easiest thing, Faith, but, you know, <laughs> like, of course, you're doing all this great work. You know, I'm just curious for you, like, what advice would you give somebody who doesn't have the, you know, you're a trained therapist, you're, you created this ORSC model, like, you clearly have all these um, brilliant models and approaches and accessible to you. For, for someone who doesn't have that, where would you
2: put them? I would say stay very alert to the process of what you're feeling. Oh, yeah. uh, when I was in chemo, I had a very ferocious temper part of myself that I didn't identify with. And uh, that part of me showed up to me. It looked like a rat with red eyes, full a full person-sized rat that was malevolent. And I had to sit with that self. All I'm saying is, is that when things come up, don't turn away from them. Yeah. Go into that. Create relationship. Yeah. Create relationship with every single thing that arises. Don't turn away. Practice lion's roar. Look for the wisdom in it. Yeah. You don't need all the or-
0: tools. Just stick with it and create relationship.
1: And Katie, I'm sure for you, different parts of you are
0: popping up like crazy, right? Yeah. Well, I love what Faith said around sort of that presence with the process, because I think with transitions, it's easy to sort of jump to the, with the end in mind, And I've noticed um, a really good friend is going through pregnancy as well. And it's been quite a stressful process. So both her and her husband are very medical. And so they say they know too much in some ways. But they've been worried about what could, what if. And I think something about staying with the the moment. Because each day is different. And there is so much out of your control, particularly around pregnancy and also death. And there is that release into that locus of control. But also... I think being present, coming back to self every single day has helped because then you don't just generalize and then jump to the end. Yeah, Dan and I working with a coach and he was like, what do you want to do in this time? Because this is a really special time for you two before you could become a four. And I think it'd be very easy to skip over that because you're thinking about, oh, we need to buy this and we need to buy two of this. And actually there's still this right now, this time together.
1: That's what I hear actually from both of you. Like there's a a way that you're wanting to be present and aware to the chapter that you're in, as much as, which is great in life in general, but especially acute when you're, you're looking at significant myth changes like you're both facing. Yeah. So what, what helps you stay present in this chapter? Because our minds are so good at racing all over, and there's plenty of material to race to. What helps you stay in this chapter?
2: I think the body does for me. Uh, And I'll bet that that's for you, Katie. I mean, you'll be in the middle of a podcast and suddenly somebody's got their foot in your pancreas, you know? (laughs) Like, all right, I'm pregnant.
0: (laughs) I was going to say the exact same thing, the body. And I think there's something quite beautiful about trusting the body. Mm. I've never read a manual about pregnancy. I literally know nothing about babies. This is going to be the most hilarious learning curve for me and my husband. We don't even know how to hold a baby, let alone all the other stuff. That's- and um, <laughs> there's something quite beautiful about that in the way, because it's like my body knows it's it's somehow been trained to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a real respect for, for the, the female body, particularly right now, because it's it's got this wisdom that I don't have to I don't have to use my intellect to manage or micromanage as we often do. And I, I think that's powerful to trust in. Well, and even you can't. It's not even <laughs> no. that
1: you have to, but you can't your no. body's got- be pregnant whether your mind is on board or not yeah <laughs> no.
2: exactly. <laughs> exactly
1: it's just very
2: little i love it you know it, it, it it's sort of like you don't have to write a timeline for this katie you know i mean I, there, those of us who are used to production and doing things and they're creatives it's like uh, you know you don't have to do anything uh pregnancy ha- assuming it goes well it goes the way it goes regardless you know and the body does its thing same thing with dying the body has its own process, you know, the illness has its own, uh, journey. And, you know, uh, I can't control it and it helps me to stay. But, but however, there's one great thing about dying is, is when you're sort of on ramp is short, your ramp is short, you really, it thrusts you right into appreciation. You know, you don't take anything for granted. Uh, so that's a pretty, uh, Silver lining on on the dying process is how very alive I feel. Dying is about being alive. We forget that, you know. Actually, death is living. Yeah. And uh, uh, but when you are approaching the exit, you sort of go, oh, well, you are know, much more
0: aware of everything that you have and appreciating that in the moment. It makes me think, Faith. About I've been playing a lot with the lens we look through lately as a, a meditation technique and we can look at say death through the lens of fear or pregnancy as quite a lot of people do. You only have to go on the forums on Mumsnet to see that and I'm not trivialising that but there's a lot of fear-driven pregnancies out there and how does that shape your experience? And I think that's where we have more agency, more choices around that response. Yeah, there's so much that we can't control if we're gaining the right amount of weight, if something goes wrong but that piece, that tiny little piece is yeah. actually where we have our power
1: Damn. it's really interesting to think about the the body and mind difference here because you know what i'm hearing and what you're both saying is like bodies know how to make babies and bodies know how to leave they know how to exit when it's yes. time and and the human part of us the the personality the brain all of those things can complicate that immensely <laughs> you know, yes it really like the body doesn't give a crap what we make, really, you know. But we can make it a lot more complicated or harder on ourselves. And, and frankly, we do this all the time, and much smaller scale, much smaller scale. We make things more complicated, and we get in our heads, as we say, we overthink things. And you know, we it's it's like you know this this could almost be a podcast on relationship between body and mind, you know, our body and yeah. spirit, because I think that's really kind of the backdrop of this is how do we navigate those three aspects of being human body mind, spirit?
2: yeah it's profound well what i really love about that is i think the first time i ever felt the power of the body actually katie was when i was pregnant and my you know it the, the body uh takes what it needs yeah to create that baby and you know and you can be jumping up and down or screaming or whatever whatever the mind is doing the body just is goes straight ahead and makes that baby. And if you've got morning sickness, too bad. Suck it up, buttercup, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, we're making a baby right now. a job
1: to do. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I didn't, you know. And, it, and part of it can be scary. It's like, wow, you know, wait a minute. Uh, this is my body. Well, no, it's not. Not when you're pregnant. <laughs> uh, it's our body, big time. There's three of you in there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's so right. My twin midwife said, "Um, you know, in some ways you could think of babies like parasites. They take what they need, <laughs> they and take it's what they are, need. It's a horrible um <laughs> metaphor for a baby, but there's something about that where your system now I, I wonder where I end and they begin because we are very much an interconnected system right now, and I think in terms of systems thinking, it's really made me appreciate that because I don't really know because when I breathe they're taking in some of that too. and I eat, that's going to them. And so, yes. yeah. Well, you know, I I hope people aren't grossed out by this,
2: but it's kind of true with cancer too. Cancer takes what it needs. You know, I mean, yeah. a, it grows, it uses my nutrients. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I feel the need to say that I hold it as an ally. It's, it's a friend of mine who was dying, said it was her, her rocket out of here. Oh. And I have her, you know, so there's a sense that the body will do what it needs to do. And I can be freaking out or whatever. I can be afraid or I can be, you know, angry or I can be and God knows I've been all of them and will again. But the body is a a certain is carrying me on a journey.
1: It makes me think that our bodies are just on loan, you know, (laughs) Like, like we get them for as long as we get them. And then, you know. Lots of theories about what happens when we're gone, but uh, it, it, that's part of what I'm getting from this. It's like you know, our, our spirit, our personality comes into the body to inhabit it for a certain amount of years, and for some people, not very long. Yeah, and for very long. And I think about pregnancy. I'm like, when does when does spirit show up? When does personality show up? Like, it's fascinating to think about that. And you know, when it when we die, it it goes with it. It, it leaves, and you know, where does it go? We don't know. Like, these are all big, big questions. But you know where does it go and where does it come from
0: it's fascinating it is and um, particularly with twins so we don't know if they're identical or not because they're in separate sacs but it can um they could have come from the same fertilized egg and so you sort of wonder at one point then their consciousness was one and then it split and and all of that is so magical i mean it's science but it's also just amazing and it it has me awestruck quite a lot of the time when i really think about it
1: it really is. You know, I love when you said it's science too, because of course all of this is science too. But, you know, when we put, when we let ourselves really see the magic in it,
2: it changes everything. It's like, yeah, it's astonishing. It is. Yes. And, you know, people don't think of it that way, but the quality of the fact that you are never more alive than when you're dying is a paradox? paradox. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and I know that all the fear that uh, sometimes takes place in pregnancies is about death, you know, that the baby will die or that you could die or whatever. Most of the fear is about something going wrong, you know, so both ends of it have fear and fear of the unknown and the edge crossing and so on. And both of them have wonder there. Uh, there is a certain wonder to the unfolding of a dying process if you're paying attention. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing. That I feel like we're a parenthesis on either side of life, you and I, at the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, it's something that you both said made me think about the idea of meeting the system where it's at. And I think we have a lot of expectations of our bodies or our lives even. We expect we should have 90 years and we expect to have two children. And I know quite a few people right now going through fertility challenges. And, you know, all of those expectations can be really challenging. And I'm I'm not undermining that challenge, but I think we expect a lot of our of our bodies and our lives. Yeah. And that can lead to so many disappointed dreams. And it's not to say we shouldn't dream, but I think we have to keep meeting our system where it's at and keep refreshing that because the body might have its own its own path, its own journey to go on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of all the women
2: that I've known who had this really strong plan for how they were going to give birth. You know, they were going to do it at home and they were going to do it in water and they were going to have these people there and they were going to be people chanting and you know and all kinds of stuff and you know and it's like some people do manage that I'm all for it you can great and but you know I know at least one of those women ended up you know taken by ambulance to the hospital and she had a perfectly successful birth and baby but it was cesarean you know and (laughs) you just you got to be able to Again, back to locus of control, let go, you know, and as much as possible, deal with what is emerging the best you can. Well,
1: that reminds me of thinking about high dreams and low dreams around this, right? Because we're <laughs> hoping you're not. I mean, you're constantly in that dream. We are when we don't have ex- uh, significant events happening, right? We're always dreaming about what might happen. I might have this for lunch. I don't know, maybe I won't, like, you know, just benign things like that. But then you have significant events like birth and death coming, and it's, it, I mean, the high dreams and low dreams i can only imagine for you guys what is what are you noticing about that and how do you, how do you help yourself kind of stay i don't know navigated or stay calm or present because it's it's right for all that kind of extreme dreaming
0: yeah and i think it's really it comes back to that expectation piece for me because you want to dream and it's gorgeous to dream but you also don't want to have such a fixed idea of what it will look like oh, they're going to be sleeping through the night for you know, one week. It's definitely not going to happen. You don't want this fixed sense of reality because that's when you can end up with that disappointed dream. So I'm trying to be somewhat fluid and allowing excitement to drive me at the moment. Um, I do believe sometimes the narratives we hold in our head somewhat shape our experience of our reality. They don't necessarily change our reality, but they shape our experience. So I'm trying to be driven by excitement as opposed to to fear and being flexible in in that myth change but yes, I do think expectation in some ways can be a blocker for that because if you have such a strong expectation around what your life should look like, I think then it's very hard then when something else emerges
1: yeah yeah, yeah. and hold it I think uh, thanks to you and Marita for the language of dreaming around that And well right
2: thank you Artie Mandel yeah and Mandel
1: yeah of course you pulled the thread into my world with his work but yeah. The, you know, holding it as a dreaming process that is, that's reframed so much for me in my life. You know, especially when I'm having a difficult time and I'm getting like cranky or out of, out of, for anything, you know, if I can remember, oh, I'm just dreaming. Yeah. Just that little 1% of me can watch and go, hey, knock, knock, you're just dreaming. It doesn't happen every time, but it's delightful when it does because it just gives a little bit of fresh air. And it's harder to do the more intense the situation, which you know you're both looking at a much more intense situations. So, yeah, Faith, what do you notice yourself around that?
2: Oh uh, well, you know, I have a friend, uh, uh, and she and I did a talk. T- we-, we talked together about what she called the tyranny of the good death.
1: The tyranny Liquid of the good death is of it the she?
2: good death? Yeah, and uh, basically, both she and I had a brother brothers who died with a really rough road. You know, they fought it. They they really babbled it to the end they were not at peace they didn't take care of their uh, mm-hmm. you know stuff that you knew they needed to take care of it was a, it was a rough ride let's put it that way and yet both of them did it very much in their own particular style and I realized that progressives like myself have a theory of I should die you know in great peace and angelically and you know holding the hands of the people I love and you know being a good role model doing a demo on death you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like there's rose petals you know like soft music yeah, I mean, and bunnies that or something like
2: that. tyranny because you know then i then all i can do is disappoint myself i mean i could be quite painful i may be a screaming mess by the end i don't know um but you have to meet what what comes to you and be in right relationship with that as katie yeah. and i are sort of saying over and over again and there's a you know when my brother died my his wife and his uh two daughters put on frank sinatra's i did it my way and um you know and he did it was very david the way he went out you know and uh, you have to be careful about what i project on how i should die or other people project people gonna do it in their own typical way
1: well you're both experiencing a community event as well you know you know you're it's it's an individual experience no question like as i look at both of you like holy moly is it an individual experience right Giving birth nobody helps you give birth. You know, there'll be people around, but it's gonna be you. And people around you aren't gonna help you to die, you know, or any yes. of us to die. You know, it the body will do what it does. How <sighs> you know, how do you how are you with that, knowing it's individual? And of course it's not just about you, but how mm. come that?
0: Yeah, that took me a little while. I think I've mentioned this to Faith a few times. There's there's a lot of people who'll come up to you and touch your belly or at least talk about it. And I just find that quite uncomfortable sometimes. It's um it was a strange sort of shift for me. And I, I realise it comes from a place of awe yeah. and wonder. And it made me realise that I'm birthing these two babies, but there's a lot of people in my life who also feel connected to them. And that is wonderful. But I think it is strange to be the one that's the vessel sometimes. So <laughs> I'd say to my husband, you've got the easy job because you get to sort of be a part of this process, but you don't have to sort of physically change. For sure. And I, I do become sort of the center of attention in that way. And Right. Nobody's touching his belly. No one's touching his <laughs> belly. I know. And it wasn't my favorite part of my body before pregnancy. So it's just, it feels like you are this sort of, yeah, this vessel. And there is this wonder and awe, and I have to keep coming back to that when people are maybe overstepping my boundaries. But yeah, there's also this appreciation that, wow, it is a magical thing. And I think a lot of these people are tapping into that. And so, yeah, how do I feel about being the vessel? I think it's strange. I was still getting used to it. Wow. Yeah. It's,
1: it's a weird paradox because it's so intently personal. To give birth or to die, and yet it's also very much a community experience, right? Of course, yeah. people are drawn to pregnant women and fascinated by that, and of course, people are drawn to people at the end of their life and want to be part of that and so serve and support. So, yeah, how about for you, Faith? What do you, what do you notice there?
2: Well, um, two things. You know, on the one hand, I'm obviously so you can tell I'm not shy about talking about the process. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, People come with all kinds of ideas. we you know, their, their behavior changes in some way when they're dealing with me. Usually because I'm irreverent and, you know, and and light touch, I can get them over that edge and we're just people and I can talk normally about the process. But I also aware that I'm, I'm a, you know, founder with co, with, you know, with co-creator Marita and, um, people are going to need to do a process, just not for me. I'm long gone and I really don't care. But people keep saying, "Well, you have to do something," and I keep saying, "Well, why?" And they say, "Well, you're not getting it. This isn't. This isn't about you. did. and that's about you, though. It's about yeah. That's interesting. Well, it's
1: it's fascinating to deal with something so intensely personal, and also to have to navigate the community experience of it. Yeah, you know, then, it's and what you're both saying It's like you got weird people wanting to touch your slick you know, <laughs> and you've got people wanting to do." You know, ceremony and events to honor, and you're like, do what you need to do, but it's not like, let me do my own thing. It's intensely personal and not just personal. It doesn't. It's it's really quite fascinating, and I, I think there's good and bad to that. As I as I'm thinking through it, it's like part of me wants champion for you both to just let it be your own thing, but it it is community experience.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because I've been reading um quite a bit about hypno birthing, and um you hear about animals and they'll go to a a corner and they'll give birth in private. And that was sort of my ideal initially before we realized it was twins. I I liked the idea of a home birth. And then obviously two makes it just much more complicated and there's going to be two of everyone in the room. And so suddenly it doesn't feel quite so sacred and personal. It feels very public. And- I don't know about you, Faith, but is there a part of you that just wants to sort of crawl away and, and be private? Because that's what animals do when they die too. Sure. They crawl away
2: under, uh, you know, I remember our dog was very sick and he crawled under the uh, foundations of another house. They, they seek privacy for death as well. And yet, you know, yeah. So I totally get that. And, and the drive, I think, to, to do what you need to do. Is different from the drive to, you know, that society needs to do to protect you in the process. It, uh, and it's it's complicated that way. It
1: is. Uh,
2: but I did get a voiceover about that one time, you know, which is just sort of a voice that showed up in my head. And it sort of said when I was thinking, well, maybe I need to have this person to help that person because I worry about what happens, you know, the people I love, Marita, my daughter, you know, my closest friends. I worry about them. Yeah. And then at some point this little voiceover sort of came in. It sort of said, Sounds like you're trying to control your your death. And I can't, you know. Uh they will have their experience and it is a big event for them. I always want to skip over that bit, you know. It's like then uh that that there there will be sequelae from my death. People will need to grieve. And um that that part is public. It is
1: interesting, you know, and it's I don't know if it's an adage, but you know, you're born alone, you die alone. Yeah. But you don't really, like you do and you don't. You do a, and you don't. It's a great, great paradox to that. It's uh personal, I mean, it's it's very much an Orsk thing, right? We say it's personal, not just personal. Everything that happens in a relationship is there's some truth to it that's just for me. And then there's a systemic piece. Yeah. there's there, And then maybe a community piece in this context, right? Yes. And you still get to, like, you, you guys get to control what you can, you know, where you and that's what I'm hearing you both like, where do I have choice in this? Where, where do I get to have influence, if not choice? <laughs> and, and part of the rest is really letting go.
0: Yeah, and I think seeing it as a really fascinating mirror for yourself, I, I think that's what I found this process to be. It's just really helped me to understand myself at a deeper level, and I'm sure that will continue um, on the other side with the, the two girls. And I know, Faith, for you, there's been just so much learning and yes, I think to appreciate the richness in that because I'm sure if you were worried and panicked and fearful most of the time, you wouldn't be able to lean in like that. It wouldn't be your dharma.
2: Yes, and uh, you don't want to you don't want to miss the journey.
0: Yeah, birth
2: or death.
1: Life is short. Stay awake for it. <laughs> right? Caribou Coffee has that as their slogan, and I think it's about the best slogan there is. Great for a coffee company, but great for humans. You know, like just to stay awake for the full range and experience that is our lives. Um, you know, and kind of the the backdrop of this conversation has really been about relationship with, you know, so I think about what is our relationship with birth? What is our relationship with death? And, and how to be conscious and intentional as much as we can. So just as a last place to look, you know, what are you learning about your relationship with birth and death as you go along this journey?
0: I remember something, Faith, you wrote about in your book around we're always in relationship and I think about right now, the twins are also in relationship with each other. It's really helped me to appreciate those ever wider systems. Some of them we're not aware of, but they're all there. And there's this interdependence. And I think for me, more so now than ever in my life, I'm noticing that relationship really is a two-way street. I don't get to decide what right relationship is. It's both. You know, If I'm thinking about right relationship with my body, my body gets a, a say too. It's not just me deciding what that looks like. And so that's a really useful lesson that I'm continuing to remind myself of on a daily basis. And, you know, I would say that it's a real relationship, whether it's my
2: relationship with the cancer or with my relationship with my body having cancer or with death. It's a relationship. That means that you have good days and bad. You know, I have fights with, uh, you know, my body or with death or, you know, I have days where, you know, I just feel like this is never going to work. You know, there are days when I am sort of infused with a sense of beauty and wonder and all. It's a relationship. So I've got ups and downs and ins and outs and it's rich. Yeah,
1: it is a true relationship, you know, and there's, as you said, there's conflict. <laughs> there's good days, there's bad days, there's repair bids sometimes. <laughs> you know, okay, I'll go for a walk. I'm you know, getting it. I hear you. You know, or I'll stop eating pizza every day. Okay. You know, there's there's ways we are in relationship with the body. And it's it's one of the most fascinating pieces of work I've done myself in in the or you know, it's not part of our curriculum in any specific way, but just um this idea of relationship with. You know, relationship with body, relationship with life, with death, with concepts and not just people. Powerful place to look. So um, yeah, Any anything else you guys want to contribute that I haven't asked just as we have these last couple of minutes?
0: I just love the the mirror that our conversations together brought, and thank you for holding this so beautifully, Sandra. I think that death and life have so much to teach each other. And yet, whilst they might be those parentheses, as you mentioned, they're also... Part of the same thing in some ways. And so I think there's a lot more we could learn from death and life by leaning in and not just dividing them into their separate categories. I so agree what she said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting to think about them together because I do. I, I think I do separate them. I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a parent, so I'm, I haven't had that experience that way, but it's, it's easier maybe to, to separate them if you don't have children. Yeah. You know, because I see life in a different way than a parent would. But that's fascinating way to think about it. You know, where what is their relationship to each other?
0: Yes. Well, and you go around like graveyards, and you see the two dates, and it's death and life. But that space in between, it, it's kind of a mix of both because obviously it's, it's somewhat life, but many of our decisions are also driven by the idea of death. And so, you know, we wouldn't be who we were if we had an infinite amount of time on this planet. And so, that space in between is, in some ways, the, the third entity of the two.
2: I would agree, you know, and I would also say that um life is, a, you know, every time you cross an edge, you are letting go. There's a little death and then there's a new birth and then there's a little death and then a new birth. Anytime you change a job, anytime you try a new recipe, anytime you, anytime you cross <laughs> an edge, there's a leaping a one way. And, uh, you know, so we get to practice birthing and dying all our lives if we're conscious, if we're aware of it. Yeah. So I think we're already doing it but we don't notice as much as we could. Well, hopefully
1: from this conversation, people listening will pay more attention in that way. Because as you said, there are many births and many deaths in a day-to-day, even in those little interactions. And it is a parallel process for the larger chapter changes that are life and death. So thank you both for being so honest and open about your experience together and separately.
2: Sandra, thank you so much for holding us and Katie, Murat, sending you a big kiss to all three of you.
0: Oh, thank you both so much. This was a gorgeous conversation. Thank you. A huge thanks to Sandra for hosting that fascinating conversation between Faith and myself. It was a real treat to step into the role of guest for the first time on the Relationship Matters podcast. I'm walking away with a lot from this conversation, and here are some of my key takeaways. How you think you're going to be with a major life change may be quite different from how you actually are in the moment. Sometimes a secondary identity will emerge out of circumstances that may be very different from how you imagined yourself to be. Like any system, we are also in a constant state of emergence. A silver lining to the dying process is that it can thrust you into a state of aliveness. Dying is about being alive, and the closer death becomes, the more we may be able to appreciate about being alive. With death and pregnancy, the experiences are both personal and they belong to our wider systems. You may be going through the experience personally and at the same time, it will impact and be impacted by the other people and systems in your life. The drive around what you need to do might be different from society's drive to protect you and the process. Death and birth are often held as parentheses on either side of life, and yet they inform one another so much. Death is a part of life, and life is a part of death. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Matters podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues and friends so that we can continue to spread these ideas across the globe. And if you haven't already, do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. And for more information on the ORS courses, please visit crrglobal.com. For over 20 years, CRR Global has accompanied leaders, teams, and practitioners on their journey to stronger relationships by focusing on the relationship itself, not only the individuals occupying it. This leads to a community of change makers around the world. Supported by a global network of faculty and partners, we connect inspire and equip change agents to shift systems one relationship at a time. We believe relationship matters, from humanity to nature to the larger whole.